I just, um, we wanted to uh, start a discussion with you um, around the topic of rest. Everyone say rest, rest. Uh, we just took uh, some time off uh, as a, a couple, and um, even before our time off, I, I felt like the Lord was highlighting uh, this word Sabbath for us, and uh, really to uh, look at scriptures and to see uh, what the Lord would say to us about this topic, because we are in Dallas, Texas, and we are busy people. And uh, it is a subtle, um, it is a subtle force that is around us. We wake up to it. And uh, I think, you know, Jesus said, come to me, you who are uh, weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. And then he said, uh, he said, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. And uh, I just feel there's something as followers of Jesus that he wants to teach us about Rest. There's a rest that's only found in Him, and so um, we want to we want to dive into that. And I think I think one of the th- reasons I wanted Larissa uh, to co-teach this morning is this topic is something I think we as a couple are constantly putting before uh, our marriage. We're constantly putting it before our family, and there's some things that uh, we've done now for the last two years that I think have been. Uh, pretty instrumental in, in delivering us from our schedules and from the demands of life. Uh, I think our kids are benefactors of that. And so I think selfishly, we want to plead with you to get into some of the rhythms that we've placed in our lives because we've seen the fruit uh, of them. And so, um, honey, you want to speak to that? <laughs> yeah, I think... I mean, they're rhythms that we've incorporated, but they're rhythms that we discovered are part of a biblical lifestyle of rest, of work and rest. And so, yeah, I think we are, we, we're still practicing and learning, and, and we, I think we, we've really, we really fight to rest, as Hebrews says, but we do it both literally and spiritually and figuratively. So, and I think selfishly, just to lay all our cards out there, one of the 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 place where the next couple of weeks it's culminating to is August twentieth. It's a Friday night, and uh, Rabbi Jason will be in with us that weekend. Um, but that Friday night, we are going to host a, a corporate Shabbat dinner, and uh, we're going to talk through the significance of Shabbat. Um, Sabbath rest uh, from a Jewish cultural standpoint, but just maybe ways that we uh, as believers can glean from uh, this tradition. And my hope actually is that you will incorporate uh, a weekly dinner in your routine to gather around the table with friends and family. And uh, it would be a gateway unto a day of rest. Uh, I really believe we as Followers of Jesus need a day of rest. And if it's not scheduled and it's not planned, uh, we just get really busy. And so our hopes is just to kind of insert this conversation into your life to slow you down. Um, So we've done Shabbat dinner for... 
two years now. And when Larissa was the one that came up with this idea because we were heading to Israel, and we had like a three-month ramp-up time, and she said, honey, I want us on a Thursday night to do a Shabbat dinner. I had no idea what she was talking about. And, uh, and so I just did it because she cooks the food in our house, and she sets the schedules for dinners and that type of thing. And uh, I have to tell you that it is the highlight of our week as a family. The Miller family, like Shabbat dinner, is, it's the highlight for our kids. It's the highlight um, for uh, us as a couple. And, uh, and, and we've seen God move powerfully through our dinner table, um, not only just within our, our nuclear family and, and our immediate family, but also we've had, uh, we, we oftentimes, more often than not, have friends over, and we've seen them move We've seen that dinner move uh, friends. Some of them have said it's one of the most powerful nights of their lives. Uh, we've seen our nine-year-old prophesy over couples that they're pregnant when they didn't know they were pregnant at Shabbat dinners. We've seen our kids prophesy over other kids, and other kids prophesy over our kids at Shabbat dinner. It's just a time of being intentional where we bless one another, uh, where we give thanks for what the Lord has provided, where we eat really good food, we take communion, um, it has just been a highlight for us. And so um, that's where we're heading on August 20th. Rabbi Jason will be in. We'll stream that online. I'll give you more details about it. But just mark your calendars, August 20th with the rabbi. Yeah, I think we're going to talk a lot about it. But, you know, I think if I, could, if I could sum up from, you know, whenever you, whenever you have that meal for us, it kicks off a whole day, so it's on an e- it's a Thursday evening. We have Fridays off, so that's our day of rest. But if there's one word that I would say characterizes all of that time, from the time we begin eating and singing, blessing the Lord and blessing each other, and then we have a day, it's connection. It's connection to the Lord, connection to each other, connection to even the gifts that he's given us, like being aware of enjoying the blessings that he's given us instead of always pushing forward to the next thing, but stopping and enjoying what he's already done that week. But connection. Yeah. That's really good. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be um, in Exodus 31. Uh, before we hit Exodus 31, uh, would you put on the screen Colossians 2, 16? And uh, this is Paul admonishing the church. And he says this. He says, Colossians 2.16, he says, Therefore, no one is to act as your judge in regards to food or drink or in respect to a festival or a new moon or a, what's that word? Sabbath day. So he says, no one's to judge you based on these things, and he was specifically talking about the Sabbath. Now, we don't know exactly how the church was being judged because of what they were doing or not doing on Sabbath day, but Paul is saying, no one is to act as your judge in these regards, but he specifically mentioned Sabbath day, and then verse 17 is really important. So no one's to act as a judge in respect to these things, verse 17, things which are a mere shadow of what is to come. The substance belongs to Christ. And so in mentioning Sabbath day, which 
in a Jewish context was Friday night unto Saturday night. That was Sabbath day. And there were a lot of things they had to observe. There were, I mean, even today in Israel, a lot of cities are ghost towns during that time frame. And so they're still adhering to Sabbath day today. But Paul is saying no one's to act as your judge in regards to Sabbath day. But these things, meaning Sabbath day, was a mere shadow of what is to come. And the substance belongs to Christ. So when we look at this topic of Sabbath, Sabbath rest, Sabbath day, culturally, in the Jewish context, we want to see Jesus. We want to see Jesus. We want our faith. Faith is the substance of things unseen. So we want our faith to be sharpened, our faith to grow around these shadows and prototypes that we can read. And I believe that in the principle or in the law, there is a divine order and life for us as believers. And many times what we do is we chunk the law and we're like, oh, that's Old Testament. We're a part of a new covenant. And yet there is a substance to be found in the shadows when we look at the historical context, specifically things like Sabbath, Sabbath day, that we can feed our faith, grow in faith and see Christ and what the Lord was pointing us to as believers in Yeshua. And so my heart and my hope is for you, maybe who didn't grow up uh, understanding Sabbath, Sabbath day, to find substance in it and to apply it to your life, because I, I really believe there's a deliverance for a lot of people around this subject, that a lot of you are physically enslaved to disease, to emotional issues, there's relational dynamics that you can be delivered from because you start taking rest serious. You don't attribute it to rest. You don't attribute it to your schedule. You're blaming this, that, and the other, but I believe there's so much to be discovered in us taking a deep breath, taking a day off, letting the dust settle in our souls by faith, apprehending what Christ has given us. So you can just keep so your mic on, babe. <laughs> I think it's the one commandment um, that we don't actually advocate keeping in modern Western Christianity. We, we absolutely believe thou shall not murder, right? <laughs> thou shall not commit adultery, honor your father and mother. It's the one that it's kind of like, eh. We don't think we need it. Mm. We act like we don't need it. We really need good. it. Yeah, Mark 2, uh, Jesus said the Sabbath uh, was made for man. Man wasn't made for the Sabbath. Meaning the Sabbath was intended to serve us. And then he makes this statement that, that, that uh, the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. And Sabbath predates... Um, the law, which we'll look at here in a second. But uh, let's open up the text. Exodus 31, uh, 12 through 19. You want to read that, honey? I'm going to let them put it up by the different version. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying... 
But as for you, speak to the sons of Israel, saying, you shall, you shall surely observe my Sabbaths, for this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations, that you may know that I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it shall surely be put to death, for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. For six days work may be done, but on the seventh day there is a Sabbath of complete rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall surely be put to death. So the sons of Israel shall observe the Sabbath to celebrate the Sabbath throughout their generations as a perpetual covenant. It is a sign between me and the sons of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. <clears throat> when he had finished speaking with him upon Mount Sinai, he gave Moses the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone, written by the finger of God. Can you keep going? No, so this is a sign. Sabbath was a sign. Why, why is it a sign? We were talking about this yesterday. It's a sign. There was no other nation on earth that had this practice, that this is your day that you stop from all your work and you rest. All your servants rest, your animals rest, your everything rests. And it's a sign that says, watch what I can do with my people that trust me. I can make more more produce, more fruit for them, more abundance for them, even when they take a day to rest. While everyone else is working around the clock, I put my fingerprint on these people that as they trust me, I'm the one, I'm the one who gives abundance. It's, just, it's, it's, a, it's a statement of trust. You do the work I don't. Mm. You cause to grow. I don't. Mm. It's really refreshing. And he calls that holy. It's holy. It's, I think another point here is that it's holy. It's unto him. It's, it's, it's set apart. Mm. Yeah. I, I, the first mention of the word holy is found in Genesis 2, and it's speaking of the Sabbath. And so I think oftentimes when we, we think of holiness, we don't think of rest. And yet, and yet, I think holiness is so connected to rest. And, and there's consequences for not resting. I think, you know, these are a mere shadow for us. And the two consequences are found in verse 14. Therefore, you are to observe the Sabbath, uh, for it is holy to you. Everyone who profanes it or does not obey it shall surely, here's one, be put to death for whoever does any work on it, that person shall be cut off from among his people. Uh, so not observing it produces death, and then it also severs relationship with others. R rest is so beneficial to us. Um, John Mark Comer wrote a book called The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. How many of you have read that? Um, oh, I got to promote this one for you. 
This is a really good resource. Uh, I read this over the holiday. It is uh, it is really convicting. uh, Just what he discovered. He's a great writer, but he talks culturally um, how we have exalted uh, fast, how we've exalted productivity. Um, Even the word slow or it has negative connotations. Like if you go to a restaurant, it was okay, but the service was what? Or someone that might not fully be there intellectually. Say, oh, he's a little... (laughs) So slow is not oftentimes something that we celebrate, and yet we need to slow down. Even here, I think theologically, it's, it's... it's kind of a, a, a conundrum because at the end of this, in verse 17, it says, This sign between me and you and the sons of Israel, uh, for six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but on the seventh day he ceased from labor and was refreshed. How can God be refreshed? He's God. He doesn't grow tired or weary. And yet that word refreshed, if you look at the Hebrew, it actually means to take a breath. And so he who was speaking, breathing out, creating on the seventh day, he stopped and he caught his breath. He took a breath. He slowed down. How much more do we need that? Oh, so significant. Do you know uh, one of the statistics that was super humbling um, that John Mark Homer put in his book is uh, the average iPhone is touched 2,617 times a day, according to research. (laughs) That's a lot of touches. Our phones keep us preoccupied. We have these vices that actually insulate our soul. Um, You know, during the fast, this is this is uh, actually a topic of, of. deep conviction for me uh, because I have a tendency um, to internalize things. My doctor actually told me, he said, he said, Michael, you have a big capacity to sustain and withhold things internally, but your body is saying you better slow down. These physical symptoms, we've run the tests. There's no route to them other than your schedule. During the fast, I, I shared this uh, one night in prayer, but um, it was about day 14 or 15, and I was just really having a hard time settling down. The Lord uh, invited me. He didn't, he didn't command me, but he invited me to actually spend the night in my office up here for seven days. So just to wake up, and the prayer room was right across the way, so I'd come in here with bedhead and bad breath and uh, be able to come straight to prayer. But I was having the hardest time Uh, settling down internally. And uh, I was asking the Lord, like, Lord, why? Why is it so hard to hear your voice? And I immediately had an image, and the image was uh, Highway 75 and the main arteries in Dallas, and it was filled with cars. Couldn't get on, couldn't get off. And I felt like the Lord said, this is an image of your soul. And he said, with you, it's always rush hour. And then I immediately <laughs> heard him, I know it was, but I immediately heard him say this. I immediately heard him say, uh, internally, I want to give you highways and freeways. 
I want your soul to be a highway, a higher way, a freeway, literally to be liberated by my way. And, and I, I really did slow down um, and have been attempting to do that uh, ever since. But I, I think it's just something that subtly, subtly uh, we, we intake busyness, hurry, rush, and it takes oftentimes the Lord saying something like that to slow us down. I love, you had another statistic from there about the, about the Seventh-day Adventists that I thought was fascinating. I think you should share that one. I didn't write that one down. Oh, you want okay. to share? I don't, I don't, it was about the number, in that particular denomination, they, they practice, that's like their main tenet is practicing the Sabbath. And they live, on average, how many extra years? It was years? like nine years longer. Nine years longer than the rest of us. Because um, they've been resting. I just had a scripture on my heart. It's Psalm 127, verse 2. It says, in vain you rise up early and stay up late, eating the bread of toil. For he provides for his beloved ones, even in their sleep. I think one of the things that I always feel like I'm doing is I feel I can hear the taunt of the enemy, but when will all this get done? But, but, what, but what will they think if you don't respond to all those texts or those emails? But, and I feel like I'm just making a statement in the spirit, like, no, I trust the Lord. I, I, I trust you, Lord, that those things either they'll get taken care of or they don't matter. That right now what matters is following you, obeying you, connecting with you, with my husband, with my children. That like, it sounds silly, but those things, they, they get in your head like, that's gonna pile up, that's gonna pile up, that's gonna pile up, when are you gonna do that? And, and it always will pile up forever and ever, <laughs> amen? But I feel like I make a statement in this spirit. I'm, I'm a daughter of God. And one of the things that Sabbath does for me is that it, it, um, it reminds me of my identity. That my identity isn't about what I do day in and day out. It's about who I belong to. Hmm. I have a friend that is, uh, he's doing some, some franchising in, in the restaurant industry. And he's been sending me statistics and and I, I, he was showing me the revenues of what these franchises make. And so I just started looking at uh, franchise revenues. And it led me down this, this, this trail that actually hit this topic. Um, because the average, according to what I looked at, and it was a very quick Google study, but it looked like the average fast food restaurant uh, in revenues brings in like $1.5 million Dollars, like give or take, but the average one, Popeyes, KFC, Taco Bell, all that stuff, uh, $1.5 million. And oftentimes those are open seven days a week, sometimes 24-7. Uh, but then you got Chick-fil-A. Close I'm out. And so I was looking at Chick-fil-A and I was like, well, what, what are Chick-fil-A's average numbers? So it's, it's fascinating. And if you look at Chick-fil-A's website, which I did, um, it says we're open six days a week, but one day we're closed so that our employees, and it uses these two words. It says 
to rest and worship. It says that on their website. The average Chick-fil-A franchise revenues $5.2 million. And they're closed one of the days. It's like, it's a sign. It's a sign. What's the sign? God likes Chick-fil-A. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, what? And you know that Sunday, Sunday, today, is the uh, most grossing out of the seven days. More people eat fast food today than any other day. It just doesn't make sense in natural law, but his ways are not our ways. For he is Yahweh. You know what I'm saying? It's like, it's like, it's like the tithe. It's, it's like 90% of your money, meaning you give him 10%, goes further than you with 100% of your money. Why? Because his ways are not our ways. And I, I call this, here's what I call this. I look for this in scripture. It's divine order. I look for divine principles that I can line my life up with. And over time, there's compound interest in his ways. They're contrary to the ways of this world. It makes no sense for you to have a day that's sacred that you're not going to work. Fridays used to be the day. Fridays are Sabbath. I know Jewish, it's Saturday, but it's the principle. And so for us, Thursday night onto Friday. Friday used to be the day that I catch up uh, when it comes to sermons, when it comes to study when it comes to those types of things. Uh, I, it just ended up not being a day of rest. It was a day of catch-up. And when the Lord started honing in, one, on my health, but two, on this concept, he said, you're only going to get spoiled manna <laughs> on that Friday. I'm not going to give you true manna to feed my people. And so what I started doing is I started like fully taking Friday off. I wasn't thinking about you. I wasn't thinking about this hour I wasn't thinking about preaching, and, and it developed this faith muscle inside of me, and she can testify to this, that sometimes I would show up Sunday mornings like wishing I was more prepared, but in faith, I knew I had exactly what I needed, and I was always surprised in those mornings because God did what only he could do. He would color outside the lines. He would have a word that I wasn't expecting, and it was him showing me. It was a sign for me that this thing isn't about me. It's about him, and it's about his strength, and that his grace is sufficient in my weakness, and so taking a day off, it enforces this reality that it is not by might, not by strength, but by your spirit, O oh God. Not by my might. It's by your spirit, O oh God, that this thing works. Deuteronomy 5. Flip over there. Deuteronomy 5.12. You want to read this one? This is uh, the second giving of the commandments. And uh, he adds a little extra uh, in this. Uh, chapter 5, verse 12, which again, it's just seeing the heart of the Sabbath in this. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your ox or your donkey 
or any of your cattle or your sojourner who stays with you so that your male servant and your female servants may rest as well as you. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt. Oof. And the Lord your God brought you out of there by a mighty hand and by an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. What's the extra one here that he adds? It's a, to remember that you were a slave. Why is that significant? Slaves don't rest. <laughs> you didn't work yourself out of slavery. You were rescued. Say wow. yeah. <laughs> I think too in their in their in their in their slavery. <laughs> I forgot what I said. You didn't work yourself out of slavery. You were rescued. <laughs> mm. You're to remember that. <laughs> It's your way of, it's making, you make a statement. The spiritual realm, to your body, to your family, to your kids, to your neighbors. What are those weird millers? Like, they don't do anything on Fridays. Why not? We've been set apart. Yes, I, I, you also said slaves never got a day off. I can only think of yeah. for 400 years... In bondage, they worked every day, all day. Royalty, I think, in their hour got days off. The wealthier you were, the more you were afforded time off. And I think one of the principles here of God commanding us to take a day of rest is that we are sons and daughters of royalty. That there is... A sufficient supply for us. Um, it really reminds us of that. So that's that's awesome. I think um, I can I can feel the wheels turning, and I know that there's going to be people that maybe this has been on your heart. Maybe you're like, I'm going to do that this week, and I just want to give a little like war- word of warning. <laughs> is that sometimes for me, I don't know if, if this happens to you, but especially in the beginning when we began to practice a day of rest, it would be really difficult for me because I found a lot of worth and value in checking tasks off a list. And so my soul would be all tussled up all frustrated, like, but I want to do something. I like getting something done. It feels good to get something done. And, and it's taken a lot of practice and time to not be in that space. I just want to give you a heads up, especially if you're task-oriented, that you may find it challenging to slow down. And to, the word actually means, we ask our kids every week. Oh, yeah, Shabbat. It means Stop. Right? <laughs> yeah. Rest. Stop. Mm-hmm. Cease, desist. Cease. Yeah, Shabbat Shalom. Or as my three-year-old, he, he just says peace. He thinks the answer to everything is peace. Peace. <laughs> what does Shabbat mean? Peace. 
What does shalom mean? Peace, yes. Um, but, yeah, it truly is the, the marker. And, and I, 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 think, I think it's so crucial as, as disciples of Jesus, as followers of Jesus, as those that um, are born again and our life is found in him, to understand how Shabbat relates to Jesus. Because we're not just, this, it's more than just taking a day off. Like that's the most practical thing we can say. Hey, set apart a time that's sacred, a day of rest for you, for your family, for your marriage, for your kids. Take that day. But, but, but the substance is found in the person of Jesus. And so what I would like to do is, is to show you the significance of the Sabbath day and relate that to the cross. How can the cross be seen in Shabbat? Because if, 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 if Christ is the true substance of this day, well, how do the two relate? What does it mean to take a day off? What does that have to do with Jesus dying for my sins? Like, we need to ask that question. Like, uh, what is the significance of it? And so I want to I really tie the two together uh, to close this out. Uh, I, I really think this is uh, so imperative, um, especially for the doers in the room, for the achievers in the room. Um, and, and so we're going to look at two more scriptures. Can you flip to Genesis chapter 2? And this is the first mention of the word Shabbat, the word rest. It's an account that you're very familiar with. For six days, God created the earth, and then on the seventh day, he rested. And so in Genesis chapter 2, this is the institution of Sabbath day. You want to read that, babe? Genesis 1, 2, and 3, it'll actually be on the board. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed and all their hosts. By the seventh day, God completed his work, which he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. The God, then God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it. <clears throat> because in it, he rested from all his work, which God had created and made. Okay, look at these highlighted words, completed, completed, done, rested, done, sanctified, which means to make holy because he rested from all of his work. So there's seven words all describing the Sabbath, completed, completed, done, rested, done, holy and rested. And, you know, oftentimes we think about resting because we're tired. But Isaiah 40 says that God does not grow weary or tired, so we know that God did not rest because he was tired, but God rested because his work was finished. And get this, so Adam was created on day six. So Adam's first day, his first full day on earth would have been Sabbath day. 
What's also interesting is if you read the account, every single day it mentions evening and morning. Uh Evening and morning. Day one, there was evening, there was morning. Day two, there was evening, there was morning. But you know, day seven, it does not say there was evening and morning. Why? Because I think God's original intent was for Adam to live in the rest of God. Would he co-labor? Yes. Would he accomplish things? Yes. But it would all be with the finished, completed, created order that God was resting from. God is not still creating creation today. It was finished after day six. This is Sabbath from the eyes of the Lord. He's resting from his work because his work is finished. And Adam (laughs) would just enjoy what God had created. And this has significant ramifications for us as we look towards the cross. Do you want to share anything? I mean, what did Jesus say there? On the day before the Sabbath, hanging on the cross. His last words. He was done. It's finished. Completed. Sanctified. He rested. It's interesting. If you look, um, the New Testament, I want to look at that scripture. Um, in, in Luke 9, 58, uh, Jesus says something that we're all probably pretty familiar with um, when someone said, I'll follow you anywhere. And in Luke 9.58, Jesus says this. He says, foxes have holes, birds have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to what? Lay his head. The Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Now, now I've heard this taught, and it's true. Like, Jesus did not have a home. He, He was traveling in his ministry, so did, did he sleep? Yes, but did he have a place to lay his head? Not that we know of. Um, but I, I, think, I think there's something deeper here that Jesus was saying. Um, I think Jesus was saying that, that I'm, not gonna, I, I'm not gonna lay my head until I'm finished with what I was commissioned to accomplish. And, and prophetically, like, Jesus, we are the body, and he is the what? Head. So if you think Jesus didn't spiritually have a body to lay his head, I think the Lord today is looking for those places. And I'll show you why. The the Greek word for to lay is klino. Everyone say klino. K-L-I-N-O. It's only used a couple of times uh, in the New Testament, Uh, But twice it's used in regards to Jesus' head. This is the first time the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. But the second time it's mentioned, according to the head of Jesus, is in John chapter 19, verse 30. And it's the scripture uh, Larissa was just mentioning. So throw up John 19, verse 30. Check this out. Oh, your head's about to explode. Okay, therefore, Jesus had gone to the cross, Jesus is fulfilling what the Lord had sent him to do, and it says, therefore, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is, what is it? 
Do you remember Genesis 2, 1, 2, and 3? What were the words? Completed, completed, rested, finished, done. So this is similar to that. He says, it is finished. What's finished? The work that you sent me to accomplish. And then it says this, he cleanoed. It's the same word. The Son of Man had no place to clean his head where he's cleanoing his head right now. Why is he cleanoing his head? He's cleaning his head because the work he was sent to do was fulfilled. And he can rest his head in that place. Jesus rested from his work at this moment in time. <laughs> What's my point? This is the Sabbath rest that he's provided for us to believe in what he's accomplished for you and for me. The finished work of the cross is sufficient for you today. <laughs> you know, when you were born again, Ephesians chapter two, it says you once were dead, made alive, and then what? Oh, come on, hold on. You once were dead, made alive, and then what? You were seated. You were dead, made alive, and then you were seated. Everyone in this room, for the most part, is seated. When you're seated, what are you doing? You're in a position of rest. You're in a position of receiving. What are you receiving? The finished work of Christ. Why is Sabbath rest so important? Because the work is done. And our tendency is to do. Our tendency is to flex. Our tendency is to go. But those things actually insulate our souls from receiving what our souls must have. Oh, he is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside resting waters. Well, the effort that we need to exert is an effort to enter in to the finished works to receive the rest that he purchased. There's a rest that's only found in Jesus. And Matthew chapter 11 says we have to learn from him to live in that rest. Man, most of our issues, most of the wonky fruit in our life would be uprooted if we would just learn to take a day off, if we would learn to consecrate and set apart a moment in time that's declared holy, nothing's touching this, because it's a reminder to my soul that the work that he accomplished for me is sufficient. Love is... What's the first description of love? <laughs> Walter Adams with C.S. Lewis, spiritual director, he said, to walk with Jesus is to walk with a slow, unhurried pace. Hurry is the death of prayer. It only impedes and spoils our work. It never advances it. <laughs> Corey Tinboon says, if the devil can't make you sin, he'll just make you busy. <laughs> All the work is finished. Bless you, Jesus. 
Today, if you hear his voice, don't harden his heart. Mm. So here's what I want to do. I want to end today. Uh, I just want to play some music over you. We're going to take two minutes. Um, the voice of the Lord is the sound of what? Many waters. And Jesus, as our shepherd, he leads us beside still waters. The Septuagint actually says it, it would be waters of rest. And so I just want to take two minutes and play something I've been listening to for a while uh, in my quiet time with the Lord, and it is the sound of many waters. It's the sound of the Lord's voice, and it, there's this soothing, almost sanctifying reality that comes, I believe, from this noise. You can play it, Art. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your rest, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Just encourage you to take a deep breath, to be refreshed in the Lord's presence. <laughs> Thank you for making us holy, Lord Jesus. Thank you for the finished work of the cross. Thank you that we find a rest in you that's not found anywhere else on the planet. Thank you, you designed us to rest in you, to enjoy the fruits of your labor, 
Father, where there's need, where there's lack, Lord, we in faith entrust ourselves to you to declare that you are sufficient Mm -hmm. to meet every need in this room. Teach us, Father, to number our days. Teach us, Lord. To live in the rest that you've provided. We love you. I pray, Holy Spirit, where there's emotional disorders, where there's been a spirit of fear, where there's been torment and panic, where there's been obsessive compulsive thoughts where we can't slow, Lord, our soul down. Lord, we just declare your words over these souls. Peace be still. Peace be still. And in the mechanism of life and schedules and busyness and kids and work and bills, Lord, would you just stick your hand into that machine and stop it? (laughs) Just declare peace, Father, to the innermost places of your people that we will live from rest, that we will live in rest, You are our Sabbath. I pray bodies would be healed. Bodies be restored. In Jesus' name.